Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love Radio show. And today I have a Thriver show and it's a really great show because one of the topics that isn't covered a lot, which is childhood narcissistic abuse. No, and a lot of people know that I do a lot on intimate partner relationships, but also too, absolutely this community works with people that have suffered childhood narcissistic abuse. And this is one of those Thriver stories, and it's an amazing story. And I have Cindy here today, and Cindy is one of the wonderful moderators in the NARP uh, forum group. And she does an incredible job and it's just been an absolute joy watching her journey blossom the way it has. So, Cindy, welcome and thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Melanie, for this wonderful opportunity. I'm I'm so excited to meet you and do this interview with you. I I would have never believed that I'd be doing a Thriver show when I started NARP. We've had the contact in the forum and all of that sort of stuff, but yeah, this is the first time we've got to actually talk face-to-face, so it, it's really lovely to do that. So, Cindy, describe your narcissistic experience to the listeners. Oh, okay. Um, well, first I wanted to mention, for those who don't recognize me by my name, Cindy, I'm also um, uh, known as Lucinda on the, on the forum. Uh, so I, when I signed up for NARP, I think Cindy and Cynthia were already taken. So that's why I picked Lucinda. But anyway, um, yes, uh, my, the reason I went through the NARP program was for my mother. Um, I had been narcissistically abused since I was placed with my adoptive family. I was born as the result of a love affair between a single 19-year-old girl and an engaged 22-year-old man. Um, My birth father actually married his fiancé, and my birth mother, who's not his fiancé, gave me up for adoption. I had lived with a foster family until I was about four and a half months old and then placed in my adoptive home on a Wisconsin dairy farm. My adoptive mother was the narcissist, and my adoptive father the codependent and enabler. Um, They were 33 and 36 years old at that time. Um, My earliest memory is uh, standing up in my crib in the morning, waiting for my mother to come in my room to pick me up. I remember waiting a long time, but I don't don't think I was crying. I, I think I had already learned by that time that crying was ineffective to achieve attention. I was probably two or three. I must have felt anxiety at that age already, too, um, because I remember feeling great relief when my mom came in the room 
and picked me up and held me in her arms. Um, the memory ends abruptly at that point. I don't remember anything after that until they adopted another baby, and my mother was changing his diaper. I must have been about four. I remember my mother refusing my help. I think that was the point where she started to ignore me completely and never carried me again. I know I spent a great deal of time in a playpen as a toddler. I don't recall ever sitting on her lap or hugging her or her touching me in any way, you know, except to comb my hair or get me dressed or something like that. Uh, she never, ever, ever told me she loved me. She never said she was sorry. Um, actually, I never heard her say those words to anyone, and I never felt loved by her even though I desperately wanted to believe that she did, and I sought her, her approval all my life until I found art. My father was a quiet, easygoing, pleasant man, but he was very childlike. Although he was kind to my brother and me, he was largely absent from my life. I only saw him at mealtimes or when he watched TV, I would sit with him. He worked in the fields all day in the summer and did repairs in the winter. And I think he was really just trying to stay away from my mom as much as possible. He rarely spoke to me or made eye contact with me. I think that was mostly because he had no idea how to be a father or how to connect with children, and he probably suffered from disassociation too. So he just avoided all contact with us, us as much as possible. My feeling then was that he loved us, but was not capable of showing us or telling us. Now I believe he was very emotionally immature and too damaged in his childhood and marriage to, to manage really loving anyone. Although I did feel um, that he empathized with, with me. Um, after his retirement, he did develop a close relationship with my brother's sons. He was a good grandpa to them. So as I grew older, my mother gave me more and more chores to do. Um, the tasks were always a bit too hard for someone my age to be able to handle, and there was never really any clear instructions or patience or empathy. I had to keep at it, even if I cried, even if I was homesick from school, until the task was done. And there was also no schedule. I had no idea when I would be told to do something, and I was always on call. By the time I was a teenager, I was basically a house, farm, yard, and garden slave. When I wasn't working, my mother wanted me out of sight. We had to go outside every day, even, even in below zero weather. My brother and I were left alone at too young of an age and could have been harmed in any number of ways, and miraculously, we weren't. Uh, I once locked myself in a storage container accidentally when I was about 10. I didn't panic, though, um, probably because I was really good at disassociating from myself by then. I kicked at the door sporadically for hours in complete darkness until my mother finally walked by and heard me. She opened the door and said matter-of-factly, so that's where you've been, and then just continued on her way. As we grew older, 
um, my mother's rages increased in frequency, duration, and volume. I was terrified of her. She was just so full of rage, and she would just get really red in her face, and that was just terrifying, even though she didn't really hit us. Um, she yelled at my father constantly, barking orders at him like, like she was calling a dog. As I got older and stood up to her and challenged her more, she turned her rage full on me. Uh, my brother, on the other hand, soon learned that um, to use humor on her, and it worked like a charm. She petted him, she would giggle with him, and she no longer yelled at him. Uh, he could do no wrong, and I could do no right. I became the scapegoat, and my brother became the golden child. When he wasn't raging, or when she wasn't <laughs> raging at my dad or me, she would go into rants, degrading the neighbors, my dad's relatives, anybody we knew. Mealtime meal was the ideal time for her to have a captive audience for these rants. So although I was well-fed, clothed, and given money for anything I needed at school, she was never emotionally available to me and treated me with either indifference or disdain, depending on her mood. In public, though, she was just the sweetest woman, always giving freely of her time and labor to the church and the American Legion. I was very bright in school, so she always bragged cheerfully about me to others in public, but I got nothing but blank looks and criticism at home, how I was never good enough, and that I wouldn't amount to anything. Uh, those were her constant mantras directed at me. She really was uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. No one knew how horrible she was to me in private, although her mother and siblings caught glimpses of it and must have known somewhat of her temper. They were caught up themselves in the family dynamic of her narcissistic personality disorder and either were in denial, rationalizing it away, or just turned a blind eye. I had no one to turn to for help, although I appealed to my father one time when she was at her worst. He just brushed her off saying, ah, you know how she is, and turned away. He was trying the best he could do just to survive her onslaught with his limited childlike emotional capabilities and intellect. He never, ever harmed me, but he wasn't capable of helping either. It was like being raised by a six-year-old bully and her six-year-old victim, but both with adult privileges. So um, despite the verbal, emotional, and psychological abuse, and despite knowing with some, that something terribly was terribly wrong with my mother, I convinced myself that she had to love me especially since she spoke so lovingly and cheerfully of me in public. And I tried in countless ways to win her love and approval throughout my childhood and on through my adulthood. I argued, fought, and pleaded with her to no avail. I tried humor like my brother, but it, it never worked for me. I was firmly stuck in the role of scapegoat. I can count on one hand the times I felt close to my dad, and try as I might, I can't come up with even one with my mother. I moved out of my childhood home after I graduated from high school and went on to college, but the abuse continued. 
In my adulthood, she was she would use guilt, shame, and emotional blackmail to get me to do what she wanted. She used my loyalty and sense of obligation against me. I was only too willing to try to please her in order to get her love and approval. But it never happened. But I still tried. Uh, she would also bait me and gaslight me until I reacted and blew up. I was just too busy defending myself, trying to appease her and to appeal to her non-existent sense of justice to notice that this was on purpose. She wasn't even very bright, so I always excused her for this reason as well, that she really wasn't aware of what she was doing. When I had children, she largely ignored them, except to criticize them. I would still continue to visit her and my dad with my kids and husband two to three times a year out of obligation and hope that she would change and give me the love and approval I was desperate to have from her. So, oh, Cindy, yeah, there's so many people that are going to be able to relate to that feeling of wanting to get validation and approval from a parent that just doesn't have the resources to give it. And it's so painful as a child having that going on. So there must have been effects that's got to be damaging. We know that so much of our programming happens at a young age. So as a child, as a teenager, and even as an adult, what were the effects as a result of this childhood with your mother and your father? Well, yes, it was really painful, but I really downplayed it at the time when I was growing up, you know, to survive. Um, it's just been later, especially since I've been doing NARP, when I've realized the extent of, of the damage it caused um, so I, I learned later that I had developed complex PTSD as a result of the abuse. As a child, I suffered from acute anxiety and I was painfully shy. But I never asked for help because I was thoroughly conditioned that that was fruitless. I was also conditioned to feel that I didn't deserve help, that I had no value. And this is just an example of that. Um, once when I was about six, I got my fingers trapped between the metal bar and the back of the driver's seat on the school bus when the driver pushed the seat back. I was in the front seat. I sat there and just endured the pain for about 15 minutes until the driver decided to pull his seat forward again. Uh, no one was even aware that happened. The thing was, it actually happened to me again a year later and I endured the pain nearly an hour before I successfully pulled my fingers out, um, wriggling them free little by little. I, I just had all of the CPTSD symptoms with anxiety, depression, catastrophic thinking, and uh, being full of shame was topping the list. I, I had a lot of physical symptoms too. I, I suffered from digestive problems constantly. I, I was always sick with a cold, a terrible cold, almost all winter. Um, when I had entered puberty, I just endured horrible menstrual cramps, and I, I had to come home from school every month. Um, I was never taken to a doctor. Although my parents had sufficient finances, um, aspirin and Band-Aids were meagerly distributed. I just suffered through my illnesses and I was tired all the time. 
My, my adrenals were burnt out, my iron levels very low. My immune system was greatly overtaxed. I just cried and cried and cried. I, I cried a great deal and so often from the stress, the overwork, pain, the absence of love and, and just the injustice of it all that even that crying got almost boring. Uh, whenever my mom said or did something particularly cruel, which was quite often, I would go to my room and just bawl my eyes out until I got coughing fits and dry heat. She never checked on me. So all of this continues throughout my childhood. I did develop a spiritual connection with nature, though. I could feel some power higher than myself shining through the trees, the clouds, the sky. I felt this connection inside of me, and it gave me some solace through my suffering. I also read novels every chance I could and watched a lot of television. Escaping into another world gave me a needed break from my own painful life. Escape was the only way I could survive my life. And then in high school, after my junior prom, I got drunk for the very first time. All of my anxiety left me immediately, and I felt calm for the very first time in my life. I thought I had died and gone to heaven. Although something in me was telling me I'd never drink normally again, and that voice was spot on. I, I think I became an instant alcoholic in that moment. From that time on, I was compelled to drink until I had enough to pass out once I got home. I found a surefire way to medicate my, anxi my anxiety out of existence. I could only drink at about four more episodes in high school since I was stuck in the role of a straight-A, straight-lay student. Um, my success at school got me the only positive feedback and the only self-esteem I had. So I wasn't going to throw that away, um, even though I didn't have much sense of who I was. Uh, so I just obsessively focused on my grades, my extracurricular activities, and my reputation. But I did get drunk enough all five times to pass out in my bed once I got home. I got really good at timing it perfectly. When I got to college, I could drink exactly how I pleased, and my alcoholism really took off. Although my anxiety levels were still really high when I was sober, my digestion and monthly cycles improved dramatically as soon as I moved out. I no longer got those horrible colds, even though my iron and my adrenals and energy remained very low. And of course, the alcohol made my inhibitions go away, and I started looking for love in all the wrong places, as they say. Mm -hmm. I think I was just always craving my mother's arms to hold me, going back to the time I was standing up in my crib. Of course, the horrible consequences of drinking rapidly overshadowed the benefits of temporarily being anxiety-free. My alcoholism escalated very quickly from drinking only on the weekend to practically every day over a six-year period. I had to drop out of college and work as a cook in restaurants just so I could pay the rent and keep drinking, although the alcohol no longer worked as a medication. I was heavily addicted. My depression deepened. The anxiety came back. I was hardly eating, chain-smoking cigarettes, and I was in so much pain and so full of shame that I just wanted my life to end. I had hit rock bottom. 
I was very broken indeed and felt completely dead inside. Oh, huge. I can relate to a lot of your story. I went through a lot of uh, very similar things myself. I went through lots of that as a teenager as well. So, Cindy, what had you tried to do to get well before this stage of your journey? What had you tried? Well, after a a couple of false starts um, in getting into recovery, I, I just had a spiritual awakening one day and I just suddenly, something opened up for me and I just was able to truly dedicate myself to recovery from alcoholism. I was lucky. I was 25 years old and I'm 52 now. Um, Chemical dependency treatment saved my life and Alcoholics Anonymous kept me alive and became my lifelong treatment, going beyond keeping me sober to giving me spiritual tools to heal and cope with life on life's terms. So although I don't go to meetings anymore, I still use those spiritual tools every day. Um, I, I had recalled that spiritual connection I had with nature as a kid, and that became my higher power. Even though I found great relief from the terrible consequences of alcohol, and I could use the spiritual tools of the 12-step programs, I still had an an addictive personality. I learned a lot from your addictive um, show on addiction, too. That's that's been helping me. Um, But back then, I went through the gamut of addictions, from smoking to men to shopping to overeating. And I I just used the 12-step program to work through all my addictions, but with varying success. Um, I did alleviate the addictions to smoking and men and cut down on the shopping and overeating, but I now realize that there is only one addiction with many different faces. I think it all comes from the same place of trying to fill some gap in me or to use as an avoidance of facing the pain of unhealed wounds. But I found that the stronger my relationship with my higher power and the more I could plug into the spiritual world, the better I felt and the more serenity I had. I did have progress in my healing over those years, but it was really slow and gradual. And I I made progress on, on lessening the pain from that my mother's abuse caused, but I didn't get over it totally. I did gain some self-esteem back when my counselors asked me to publish a newsletter for the alumni of the treatment program I had gone through. This got me in touch, back in touch with my passion of writing, and I went back to college to finish out my bachelor's degree with a minor in creative writing. Those three semesters were the happiest I had ever been up until then um, because I was doing what I loved and acting out of my authentic self. I was getting to know who I who I am. I I still wasn't very good at relationships though. Even though I never dated a narcissist, none of the ones I dated were very healthy and had lots of narcissistic and codependent traits just like me and they were emotionally distant. I had one particularly painful breakup because I was just so addicted to him 
It took me over a year working the 12 steps of codependency on a spiritual level and following the advice of Melody Beattie to get over them. It wasn't until I had been in AA for about seven years that I started dating my husband-to-be. We had both been in recovery for a while and we were getting healthy. At least we were both willing to support each other and were committed to grow together. Um, besides the 12-step program, I also went to couples counseling with my husband. I practiced meditation, yoga, went on retreats, uh, visualization and journeying workshops, got psychic readings, I read tarot cards, and lots and lots of self-help books. Uh, one of the last books I read and did the exercises from before I found NARP was um, The Legacy of the Heart by Wayne Muller. It really helped me to start to understand that I deserve my own life and helped me begin the separation from my family of origin uh, with forgiveness for them, for myself, and that I could and I should separate uh, myself from them. After I discovered my mother had NPD, I began distancing myself emotionally from her, setting boundaries, and visiting her less frequently. When it was very clear that low contact was not causing her to act any differently, um, she wasn't respecting my boundaries, and my symptoms were only getting worse, I just, I just suffered from fatigue all the time. Um, I just decided to go no contact. Um, at this time, I was involved on a forum for adult children of toxic parents. Although the leader of the forum was pretty positive and focused on healing, I felt I wasn't getting any better, and reading the comments was really starting to make me feel worse. Uh, after a private Skype coaching session with her, I realized that she just wasn't a good fit for me, and I knew she couldn't help me to the extent I needed. So then I found Richard Grannon, the Spartan Life Coach, um, online, and I resonated with his YouTube videos. I had three Skype coaching sessions with him in which he identified my CPTSD symptoms for the very first time, anybody who said I had that. And then I, he also recognized that I still had my mother on a pedestal. He helped me understand my mother for who she really is and identified my wounds. I, I did feel better after doing the neuro-linguistic pro programming audios he made, especially for me. Um, the last audio was mostly targeting my block to engaging in life without feelings of dread or overwhelm or fear of not being perfect. Um, I felt good right after, but it, it just didn't seem to have a lasting effect. However, after discovering I suffered from CPTSD, I immediately found the most experienced person I could find on the subject, Pete Walker, and I bought his book. But I, after reading him, I was, I was greatly disappointed to find out that even he could only offer treatment. There was no real cure. So I started searching YouTube videos online looking for a cure and somehow came to inner child visualization. Now, I had always scoffed at getting in touch with my inner child as it just being nonsense. But there I was, meeting my inner child for the first time. I, I really felt a real deep, deep connection, like a coming home. So I knew I was on the right track there. Hmm. And it is the right track, and it's so much of a 
central feature in NAP, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. Cindy, just as we know, so much of our recovery and our understanding is around really understanding that this was narcissistic abuse. So when did you discover that she was a narcissist? When did you really find out? Um, This was about four years ago in 2011. I had a friend whose mother was very similar to mine. Uh, She told me that her mother was diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder uh, through her friend's through her stories to her counselor. She was getting counselor counseling for her um, her her issues and it came out stories about her mom and the counselor said, I I usually don't diagnose people secondhand but she's just, you know, the perfect uh, example of N P D and so our mothers were always so similar, so I looked up NPD myself on the Mayo Clinic online, and my goodness, my jaw just dropped to the floor. My my mother just clearly fit all those characteristics, and then I just launched into research, um, researching NPD through books and online. It just became clearer and clearer that my mother had NPD and that I was the scapegoat. Absolutely. It's all classic, classic symptoms. So how did you find my work, Cindy? Well, that that same night that I did that inner child visualization, I mean, I must have been just on a, on a roll and just really plugged into to my spirituality. Um, that same night I did this inner child visualization, I felt this really deep knowing that that there really was a cure for CPTSD and that I was convinced I would find it. I immediately started searching for it on YouTube. I can't remember the search words I used, but there was your program. I started watching the videos. I was agreeing with the peptide explanations, and I just was, I knew you had a, a healing at the end. I was anxious to get to the end of your talk to try the healing. I finally got there, I did the quantum freedom healing, and I went from an eight right down to a two. Um, I was tremendously excited. I really felt the relief of that pain, and I really thought I, I might have found my cure. So how long was it before you did start the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Program? Well, uh, I looked at all your stuff, all your blogs, and... Uh, your blog online and um, after uh, and reading the testimonials and I just thought well you know it was definitely worth a try Um, even though the target or the program was targeted at healing from narc abuse from a romantic relationship I thought I could probably make it work for me with my NPD mother so I purchased NARP within a couple days, I joined the forum and I started Module 1, and that was April of 2014. Um, After combing the forum for members with MPD parents, I didn't really find too much, and, you know, I was really in all my dysfunction yet. Um, My dysfunctional brain was trying to get me to self-sabotage, telling me I didn't belong there. Um, but despite my faulty thinking 
and my and my false guilt and going no contact with my own mother, I reached out for validation and belonging in the community. I started the topic. Any members out there with NPD parents in um, in late April? And then uh, the moderator, Cami Boaz, and other moderators and members responded immediately, and I felt much better and accepted. But in July, I, I wanted more validation, so I started another topic. Excuse me. Um, anybody have narcissistic parents? And Tammy was the one who had the great idea to make it a sticky topic. And so advice for people with narcissistic parents was born in September, and it made it so much easier for new, new members to come forward to talk about their healing from NARC parents. And then as more parents came forward that had gone no contact with their parents like I did, the more relief, validation, and belonging I felt. I no longer felt like odd man out, and my healing continued to deepen. Um, I just want to emphasize right here that it doesn't matter who the narcissist is in your life, and it doesn't matter if the abuse happened in the past or if it's ongoing. The narcissist could be a parent, a teacher, a sibling, a spouse, a boss, or just a friend. The yeah, abuse even a child. Yeah. yeah. The, the abuse could have happened in your, yes, your own child. Absolutely. Um, the abuse could have happened in your childhood or an early marriage. And even if you haven't had contact with your narcissist for 10 or 20 years, you are still probably carrying around unhealed wounds, which are affecting your life and preventing you from living life and enjoying life to its fullest. NARP focuses on healing you, no matter your background or who the narcissist is. The healing process is exactly the same. The narcissist is really just the symptom. It's just the red flag pointing to what needs to be healed in you. Once you get to NARP and healing, it has nothing to do with the narcissist and everything to do with you. Um, I had to change a word or two in the modules from partner to mother, but that was pretty insignificant. I was relieved that the modules were totally addressed to me and my healing and had nothing to do really with who the narcissist is. In fact, I personally believe that anyone can shift their unhealed wounds out using quantum freedom healing, even if they haven't been narcissistically abused. My husband hadn't, but after he saw the incredible changes in me, he started doing the modules himself and has seen fantastic results. <laughs> yeah, Cindy, it's really, really true that we can shift out anything in our body in regard to the pain. It doesn't have to be to do with an abuser. It can be any point at all. I have also my, with myself with the processes used um, module one and goal setting for anything. Uh-huh. Yeah, so... So what happened when you started working the modules and you started shifting the pain out of your body? Well, the very first thing that came up in my uh, very first shift of Module 1 was the pain of not really having a mother and never having a mother and having to let go of ever having a mother. It was all about loss and it was about the acceptance that I was truly alone, and I had always been alone. Um, I went from an 8 or a 10 down to a 1 or a 2. 
And although I bawled my eyes out and shook from the pain, um, like I had done so many times in the past, um, this time the relief was there, and it was immediate and immense, and that particular pain was simply gone. Um, and then during the four months I worked through NARP, little by little, all my CPTSD symptoms relieving me. The first thing I noticed the absence of uh, was the pain of realizing the illusion of my mother. I then noticed I wasn't doing any catastrophic thinking, like uh, being convinced my husband didn't call because he was dead in some accident. Um, I really did believe that. Um, I found that I wasn't micromanaging my children anymore or being hypervigilant of them or my husband. My anxiety was leaving me bit by bit, and thoughts of doing normal things like making a dental appointment didn't overwhelm me anymore. Um, and then, on top of that, to replace the dysfunction, uh, waves of well-being started washing over me more and more. I had moments of feeling great liberation and joy. I had more energy because I wasn't wasting it on anxiety and overwhelm. I was calmer, and life just seemed much easier. I found I wasn't blaming anyone for my moods or reactions anymore. I was taking complete responsibility for my own stuff and not for others. I wasn't feeling anything for them. They had their own feelings, and I had mine. I found myself speaking my truth more often and standing up for myself instead of putting up with others' behavior and swallowing my truth because I was afraid they wouldn't like me anymore. I really don't care if people like me anymore at all. Um, by the time I finished NARP and tied up loose ends with the uh, TFOW course, I was pretty well grounded in myself. I felt loved and adored by Source and myself, and I felt just a lack for nothing. Source and I could give me anything I needed. There was abundance everywhere, and all I had to do was ask. I no longer felt like I needed to please others in order for them to give me love, attention, and approval. I simply didn't need anything from them, and so I could be my authentic self for my own integrity. It doesn't mean I was brutally honest with people, but it did mean that I didn't have to explain myself to anyone uh, while still finding the way to be compassionate and kind. And I can take care of myself without hurting others. I didn't do this all perfectly every time, but generally this is, this is the place I've come to. And there's so much freedom in that for ourselves and for everybody else and so much more wholesomeness in our relationships. Absolutely. It is huge. So what did you discover? You've touched on it absolutely, but what did you discover, Cindy, about your inner programs that you were carrying within you that had been your life and been the abuse in your life? Well, there were some obvious ones. Um, not surprisingly, were the dysfunctional programs my mother instilled or the survival programs I developed as a result to protect myself from the abuse. Um, most of all, I believed I had no value because my mother told me I wasn't good enough, I was lazy, and wouldn't amount to anything. Um, and then I used these programs to abuse myself by 
never pursuing my dreams of becoming a writer. I just worked at minimum wage jobs because I thought that's all I was capable of doing. Uh, these programs were greatly responsible for my being frozen, not engaging in life, and wanting to escape. Um, also not surprising was the rejection and abandonment issues from my birth parents, uh, giving me up for adoption, and then my, mo- my adoptive mother's uh, degradation of me. I played these out by believing I would never be worthy of love and left relationships before they could leave me. I constantly set myself up for abandonment and rejection in many ways and were largely responsible for my anxiety and made me a people pleaser. Uh, All of that above worked together in pointing me into the direction of becoming an addict. I could escape and find relief from the anxiety at the same time. What did surprise me, though, was the huge amount of servant or slave mindset and actual servitude and slavery I played out in many lifetimes. I had the victim roll down pat. I don't know if I was ever allowed to be my own person with my own mind and to act as a sovereign individual. Of course, this played through with my mother treating me like a slave and living basically on the poverty level or right above the poverty level during my adult life, um, giving, giving more of my time and more of my money to others than I did to myself, always putting others before myself. I didn't really even have a sense of myself at all, especially when I was a child um, until I got into AA recovery. I think I had a bit of dissociative disorder, perhaps depersonalization disorder. I had always felt like I was never as deserving as others and not even really being a real person. It always fascinates me, Cindy, time and time again. And when we dig into our deeper inner programs and we get down to the bottom of it and we think, how on earth was I ever going to get past this Mm -hmm. if I hadn't have reprogrammed that deeper reason? Fascinating. It's fascinating. And I'm such a big past life advocate. The things that I've found with clients and you just found and what I've found, to me, there is no way we're changing these patterns unless we can make the unconscious conscious. Otherwise, and we do, we choose the birth parents, we choose the experiences that completely match those already existing programs until we reprogram them. Huge. Yeah, I really think I needed a two-by-four to wake me up, and I, I got it. <laughs> you certainly did get that, and uh, yeah, I certainly got that in this lifetime as well as so many others have. Mm-hmm. So what's happened since doing the inner work in your life? So I, I would say that I've been doing inner work since I went into recovery from alcoholism 27 years ago, and then although I did see quite a bit of healing from from the work I've done before NARP because it was mostly spiritually based, I think. Um, Nothing I did, though, was so quick and effective and thorough and long-lasting as quantum freedom healing. Um, But it could be that because of those 25 years of inner work, I was totally primed for quantum freedom healing and just needed the last push over the edge. And that's why I went through NARP so quickly, but uh, since I started NARP, I've had um, so many changes in my life, I just, 
I've listed so many of these in my annual report I put on the forum. But just just uh, clicking some some major ones that I mentioned already, the complex PTSD symptoms were gone. The anxiety, that was huge in my life. Um, the catastrophic thinking, the disassociation, micromanaging, feeling responsible for others' lives as if they were my own, um, feeling overwhelmed over having to do simple tasks. Um, a lot of my obsessive compulsiveness has gone. Um, my codependent tendencies are greatly reduced. I feel more deeply connected to my husband and children and others as well. Um, I don't have dread when I do my housework. I don't have fear of what, what anybody, my my mother, my brother, or anyone will do to me. I don't have the false guilt and shame. Um, I've stopped blaming others. They're focusing on their faults. Um, and then the good stuff, I, I just feel that great sense of well-being and wholeness and trust and connection to myself and source, um, deep compassion for myself, forgiveness. Just so important. Yes, and those are just the internal things. Um, then the physical things, the digestion is normal. My iron stores for the first time in my life are normal. And um, the trauma has left my body, so I don't feel stiff in my neck and shoulders like I used to. Um, I'm just so much healthier. Um, and then I have, my behavior has changed, too. I'm um, just more engaged um, in doing my chores around the house, uh, just really enjoying, actually enjoying them instead of just having to do them and, and, and like just pulling myself through through mud to do them. Um, so that's just my day-to-day life. But I found I've been traveling. <laughs> this is this has just been so fun. I'm, I'm going to London um, next August or this August. Um, I spent February in Hilton Head Island off of South Carolina because I've always wanted to take a month off of winter. And so I've done that. I booked for next year. Um, so oh, you can come to Australia next week <laughs> and visit me. Uh, yeah, I'll have to manifest some more money. <laughs> but I, that's another thing. I'm just not worried about money anymore. Um I just, it, it'll just come. I just know. Yeah. It'll be fine. I mean, we don't, you know, live an extravagant life. We live a very, you know, um, middle class life. Um, but we're happy. I'm, I'm really happy in, in my little neck of the woods up here. But um, also, last just this last month, I had just huge breakthroughs. I really feel like I've arrived at the turning point to become a thriver. And uh, I made that turn around the corner. For the first time in my life, I feel like I'm finally engaging in my life, uh, which would be my definition of a thriver. Uh, what really surprised me, though, is I, I thought that thriving would be doing stuff like um, writing my book, um, 
But I, I discovered that thriving or engaging in my life is simply a being. It's, it's a shift in attitude and perception and not really a doing at all. Well, I, I am doing things differently and I'm more active, but it's really more of a letting go of all the superficial constructs and expectations, especially my own. And like Abraham says, being tuned in, tapped in, turned on. Mm, I love that expression. Yeah. And recognizing while I'm in that state that I am pulled by source into service to myself and others in the most meaningful way available to me in that moment. That may include my lifelong dream of writing, and it may not. I found that I just don't care. I know that at this point in my recovery, there's just no going back. I will continue to be pulled in the direction of where source wants to take me, and it just doesn't matter what that is to me. I'll just keep continuing to do the next right thing according to my authentic desires, and it'll be perfectly satisfying. I'm ready to be totally surprised or just continue to enjoy my quiet little life in Upper Michigan. And Cindy, that's perfect. You're living from true self, and when you're living from true self, it's unconditional living. And it just really means no particular certain thing has to happen for me to be fulfilled and happy and whole. I just am fulfilled, happy and whole. Exactly. Exactly. You nailed it perfectly in your description. It is that beautiful state of beingness. It's everything. So have you had to deal with any ongoing fallout from your narcissistic family of origin birth situation? Yes, I knew I would have to do a a property settlement when I went no contact, and I was worried about that. Um, I I had a property I jointly owned with my brothers, and we did end up selling it last year. And even though we communicated through attorneys, it was really hard on me emotionally, and I was still working NARP. Um, Of course, my mother got in the middle of it, even though she had no business to, um, making crazy demands. But I held firm, even though I was frightened and still having catastrophic thinking. I was still afraid of what they would do to me if I didn't do what they wanted me to. But uh, after I signed the papers and got my check in the mail, I found out that they had resold the land and they had actually cheated me out of a great sum of money. Um, and this just felt like a sucker punch to my guts. But the money itself wasn't the issue, even though it was a colossal amount to me. It was just the fact that they could be so heartless, so unfair, and and so criminal, since both an attorney and appraiser had to be in on it. Um, they don't know that I found out they cheated me, um, so... I was I was relieved actually that they were probably satisfied that they came out on top that they put one over on me and they wouldn't feel the need to pursue any more punishment to get more supply. I was just happy. I operated out of my own integrity the whole time and I'm happy I'm done dealing with them. Um this was also a huge capper to my commitment to no contact. Um not only was the door to contact nailed shut, it was double barred and with the bolts welded shut after this experience with them. 
there was just nothing left to tie me to them. I had absolutely no reason to ever see them again. And this is just so liberating. I can't even describe it. Mm, that is huge. So with your own children, with your own family, how has this evolution of yourself, how has this affected and worked in with your kids? Oh, it's it's been phenomenal, the, the change in my relationship with them. It's been subtle, but yet there's just this deep connection now. Um, I have an 18-year-old daughter and a 15-year-old son. And as soon as my CPTSD symptoms started disappearing, my children got closer to me. Uh, as You know, when I wasn't micromanaging their lives anymore, they just trusted me and respected me even more. And they they really loosened up. Um, we have a lot more fun together since the atmosphere is just hugely relaxed. My husband's more relaxed around me. Um, just so, so grateful to have a deeper emotional and spiritual connection to them. I, I just could weep. It's just been so nice. It is so special when that happens. It's huge. Uh, when my daughter was going through a lot of anxiety during her first year at college away from home, I started doing the goal-setting module for her um, as her proxy with, with her permission. Uh, the things that came up was uh, her loss of connection to source. That came up a lot. Um, and she had issues with feeling lost, alone, and abandoned that I think she brought forward into this lifetime. Um, now she feels much more grounded to me, so I think it helped quite a bit. Um, I just want to emphasize to get through NARC before you attempt to do healing by proxy with your kids and be sure to get their permission. I needed to be real grounded in myself before I could be objective and face the suffering of my children and help them find their way. That's right. And we can't lead where we haven't gone ourselves. It's just so the most important thing that we can do for our children is to heal ourselves first. So what message, your story's been amazing. I think it's so helpful for so many people. But what would you really like to emphasize, Cindy, and you would see it in the forum too, you know, what message do you have for others to really you know, help them do the recovery that you've done for you? Oh, there's just so much. Um, but some important states I want to uh, cover. Uh, well, your state is, is all important. Uh, getting in the proper state with an attitude of gratitude, I feel, is the most conducive for healing. Um I would say connect to source in whatever way that resonates with you. A walk in the woods, meditation, music. Um, this is the best way I've found to feeling grateful and humble. And then when it comes to doing your inner work, I just love that acronym, HOW, for how it works. I think it's the best acronym in the world. Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. Mm, I love that. I haven't heard that. Where have I been? <laughs> that was that's from AA. That's the how and how it works. Wow. Yeah, I know pieces of AA, but I was never in AA. I love that. It's 
gorgeous, perfect. Yeah, there's so many beautiful spiritual tools I use from that program. Mm. And another big one I got from AA was acceptance. Um, just acceptance for where you are at. That's just key. And um, and owning your own issues and just being honest about it. And that it's okay. Um, and then patience. That's that's another big one that I just keep wanting to tell people. Um, allow patience to set your pace in your recovery. And allow compassion for yourself to set the tone. And I, I always advise to treat yourself like you are your own precious child. Um, also, what helped me tremendously was I just said affirmations all day long. Uh, out loud if I was alone. Um, and the thing I would say about that is, is to word them in a way that you truly believe them. Like, if you don't believe you love yourself, don't look in the mirror and say, I love you. Say, I'm growing to love myself more each day instead. Something you can believe. Um, eventually, with NARP, you will get to the place where you really do love yourself, and you can look yourself in the eye and say it and mean it. And then another another thing is we we don't really understand how how the dysfunctions have just made our brains just not work very well. So um, understand that in the beginning of your recovery, your thinking is extremely dysfunctional. Uh, don't trust everything you think on face value. Be especially suspicious when it's of a negative nature. Our authentic selves never talk to us in negative ways. Um, you you just need to accept that sometimes your mind is out to get you, you know, from your dysfunctional program, and your ego is is mounting resistance like crazy, putting up walls to keep you from getting to your authentic self. But as as real as all these fears and doubts may seem to you, it really is nothing but smoke and mirrors. And as soon as you can get objective about your recovery, the better. The, the sooner you will gain the upper hand over your ego. See yourself objectively, maybe as an ICU patient who needs a special gentle handling. And then instead of trusting your brain and your logic, move your focus downward towards your heart and your gut. Feel into this part of you to see if the information you are receiving really resonates with you. Does it feel good and solid, or do you feel icky and have unrest? And what helps someone else may not help you. It's totally okay and proper to leave it and to move on to something else. But the thing, the real thing to remember is that you are a star, no more and no less dim than any other. And all this work does is allows you to see yourself clearly for who you really are. And you have been this all along. You've just gotten a bit lost and bogged down in the muck and mire. When you do some healing and understand yourself more fully, you will be fully liberated to thoroughly enjoy shining with love and joy. They are just really, really beautiful words. And it's 
so true. So many things you said in there, Cindy. It's so true. And it's really the stinking thinking how our mind can be out to get us and our ego tries to sabotage us and mm-hmm. creates resistance in just so many ways to yeah. getting well. It sounds a bit schizophrenic to put it that way, but I can't true. think of a better way to say it. It's so, so true. Well, Cindy, it's been amazing having you on the show. And I think people can really get a sense that you're a you're an amazing woman. You're an amazing role model. You're an amazing thriver model. And Cindy is so active in the forum. She's just one of the beautiful uh, guiding lights in the forum that just helps so many people with their recovery. And she's got a ton of uh, knowledge, thriving experience, She's got a lot of NARP module shift experience that she's very versed with. And you're doing just a beautiful job in there, Cindy. I can't thank you enough. Thank you. The the forum has just been an exceptional godsend to me. Um, The healing is definitely in the module, but I've gotten so much validation and support and acceptance and love from the forum in the early days. And uh, through my healing so far, I'm now experiencing an even deeper connection with my NARP family. I am, the current active members on the forum right now are so incredible, so honest, willing, and open-minded. Um, they are not afraid to be who they are, and watching them blossom has been such a lovely experience. I really enjoy all their personality and, and humor. I'm just so impressed with everyone's wisdom and willingness to help others. Honestly, I feel honored to be connected to all of them. There's there's just too many to list right now, and I probably forget somebody. But just know that if I've ever responded to you on the forum, I've been touched by you, and I think of you. Um, and as I am in the place of the moderators before me, you will be in my place in the future. It's just inevitable if we keep this healing, doing this healing. Um, I've learned so much from others, especially since I've been a moderator. Melanie, I can't thank you enough for inviting me to become a moderator on the forum. I can't tell you how much I've grown from this experience. I love that and it is it's just it's all about growth it's all about expansion it's all about we're all in this together we're all one in this and I I just I feel so blessed and lucky that we're able to be in a community that is just so unique in abuse recovery that is just so positive so loving and so powerful it's uh you know I, I I pinch myself every day about how this has worked. Mhm. Mhm. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a, a dream, but not not only have I grown from this role in relating to the members, but I've found a deep connection with the other current moderators, and I've grown so much from interacting with them. Uh, Larry is just an outstanding source of information and a tireless source of support. When she responds to you, you know you've been clarified. I love that. Isn't that true? She does clarify. That phrase is my own, but it's not. Uh, Some members came up with that, and it's so great. Um, Phil is also deeply dedicated to lend a hand wherever needed. He's constantly there 
to welcome newcomers, and he's just a steadfast presence on the forum. And it was just a pleasure hearing his voice and getting to know him better in the last driver's show. And then Nora is just the sweetest person I know, really. Um, compassion and understanding just flows from her when she responds to members' questions. She's also a font of information. I don't know if members realize this, but a, a moderator's time and efforts are totally volunteered. Uh, we can come and go as we please. Even so, each moderator is extremely dedicated to the forum and takes their role very seriously. We collaborate often to decide the best course of action for the highest good. We are all different. We're all so different from each other, but we each offer a fresh perspective. But we also work well together with respect, support, and compassion. And I'm just so honored to be part of this group. And I couldn't have manifested a better group of angels to hold people's hands. Mm. You know, you, you all just blow me away mm. every day. It's gorgeous. Well, thank, it's so gorgeous, Cindy, that you're on and people get to meet you in person. And I really hope that your story can encourage other people to take the NARP journey and become a part of the NARP family and really know that if it is family of origin narcissistic abuse that you have, then you know all of our resources are there to absolutely support you and, and help you heal from any type of narcissistic abuse situation. Mm. Yeah, this coming home to myself is such a place of intense love and joy. Um, you know how a family must feel when a soldier comes home from a tour of duty after being gone for months? Uh, this is about a hundred times better than that. I mean, I, I have tears of joy every time this thought even crosses my mind because I never even believed that this was even possible. My survival programs were so ingrained in me that I thought they were me and I'd have to live with them. But it turns out nothing could be further from the truth. I've really discovered my authentic self under those layers. Um, and there are still layers left. I'm not done yet but I can see them clearly now for what they are and know that my true self lies just underneath. This is a lifelong journey, but the important thing is that I've turned the corner into thriving and I will never go back. No, there is no going back. There just isn't. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for coming on. You've been an absolute delight and uh, it's just been an absolute pleasure interviewing you. So thank you so much. Well, thank you again for this opportunity and thank you for sharing this incredible program with the world. It's just, it's just a beautiful thing and transforming. You are so welcome. All right, well, you have a lovely evening, Cindy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, everybody, I hope that you've really enjoyed Cindy's very honest, candid incredible journey and her recovery and we will have this as a transcript up on the blog where you'll be able to go into the details deeply and uh, for those of you that are interested in finding out more about the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Program I have a free introduction webinar coming up where you can uh, join in and you can experience Quantum Freedom Healing and learn about the program 
And you can do that at www.melanietoniaevans.com forward slash free webinar. And that webinar is happening next week. So again, that is www.melanietoniaevans forward slash free dot com. Sorry, melanietoniaevans.com forward slash free webinar and you'll see the details on the blog as well which will be coming out very shortly so thank you everybody and i hope you enjoyed and lots of love and bye-bye